Welcome to Hard Talk, a podcast that looks at how we use technology and specifically ICTs in our daily professional and personal lives. Be it technological advancement in the transport industry, the revolution caused by the mobile phone, I also cover the disruption it is causing in the food and also the building industry. I'm your host, Robert Yawe, an ICT practitioner with over 30 years experience. Listener, do you have a data collecting culture? And also, do you consider yourself tech savvy or have you epitomized the data phobic persona? On the last episode, I talked about how reluctant we are at collecting data and how our data collection and refining methods are wanting. Yes, we can work on the process and make sure it gives us meaningful results, but also note that we should be having a number of people doing this, collecting data. In this episode, we're looking at technophobic illness and low culture of collecting data. We keep talking about big data, knowledge-based economies, AI and the rest. But yet we forget that all this is totally dependent on somebody collecting and sharing data, storing data in various modes that allows us to then analyze it and extract knowledge from it. In the August 2019 issue of CIO magazine, I penned an article called IoT Begins on the Dash. I was referring to the dashboard of your car. Many of you who drive rarely look at that dashboard. The dashboard has become very complex over time. From the early days of the Morris Minor, which had two analog dials, one for speed and the other one for fuel. Today, your dashboard tells you a lot more. It tells you about how your car is driving and the rest. This is data that's being generated. But the question is, are you collecting it? Those of you with cars built after 2002, manufactured after 2002, you have access to your onboard computer. And all it takes is a 2,000 shilling device, plug it in, it has Bluetooth, integrate that into your phone, and then you and your vehicle can finally learn to communicate. This will be able to give you things like how much fuel your car has been consuming, the distances, and for some cars, you'll even be able to tell what impact has happened on your shock absorbers and the rest. All this is data which you need to collect. Now, based on that, you can tell whether your car is performing well. For example, you're told that badly inflated tires will cost you 15 to 20% more in fuel consumption. So how do you do this? Many of you only get to tell whether your tires are are well inflated if you go to the petrol station and you've got some extra time. Yet you can buy yourself a quick little device which you plug onto your dashboard, put sensors on your four tires, and that automatically gives you regular updates on whether your tires are well inflated. By knowing when to go and have your tires inflated, you're able to save, imagine, 15 to 20% of your fuel cost. Now that should be something that should get you excited and get you doing. But many of you still won't because you have this thing of having a fear for storing data. I accept you can have a fear of storing data about who you're sending M-Pesa transactions to, especially for the married men out there or the single men with girlfriends who look through your phones. I've noted that most of the time you'll be, walk, you'll be sitting in the matatu and there's somebody going on their way home and they're busy deleting messages 
on their WhatsApp and their SMSs. And maybe this says a lot about why we have dataphobic. Because many of us would not want that data to fall into the wrong hands. But in certain areas, it shouldn't be that the case. We have digital meters for many who've moved to the postpaid, the prepaid uh, electricity meters. Yet nobody has seen it necessary to install some level of intelligence that would allow me to collect data on the consumption of power in my house. These are some of the little things we need to start doing to move away from having, from being technophobic. If we collect data, it means that you can then generate information. I believe in my last uh, podcast, I mentioned things like your smart bracelets, smart watches that some of us are wearing. Are we using the data for what it's, it's supposed to be able to do? Which is give you insight so that when you walk to your doctor, you're able to give the doctor a more holistic perspective of what's going on with you. The newer devices are able to pick up blood pressure, are able to pick up your heart rate. And with these things like your blood pressure and your heart rate, you're able to then go to your doctor. And literally, imagine walking to your doctor, showing him your phone and giving him a graph of how your heart has been performing or how your blood pressure has been switching up and down. Then link that to timestamps of was it before lunch? Was it after lunch? Was it after a long walk? Was it after exercise? All this is data you need to start collecting for yourself. It's for your own good. It means that you're then able to make that five-minute interaction with your doctor a more meaningful interaction. Because I fail to see how taking my blood pressure when I'm sitting in the doctor's office is going to tell him anything. Chances are I'm the, the doctors, I'm anxious. Therefore, my blood pressure will most likely be high, be elevated. But if you're able to collect my blood pressure during my normal activities, then that becomes more informative. The doctor can get to see whether there are anything, there's anything worth getting concerned about. But are we willing to do it? And why are we so scared? I've stopped this fear. I've decided I want to collect data. I want to know what's happening with me. You have bracelets which now tell you how you slept. I've now realized that most of the time I've not been sleeping well. But before, if you ask me, how was your night? I'll say, fine. Why? Because I have nothing to tell about it. Because I was asleep during the time that I was sleeping. Therefore, how do I know how I slept? How many times did I toss and turn? How many times did I get into deep sleep? How long did I remain in deep sleep? How long did I stay in REM sleep? Now, these are terminologies that are important, for example, if you're seeing a psychiatrist or uh, I'm told nowadays they're called mental health experts. When you see your mental health expert, what data are you able to give them? What information are you able to give them? Based on being able to monitor my sleep, I've changed my eating patterns. I now follow the rules that I was told that you take breakfast like a king, you take lunch like a queen, and then you take supper like a pauper. Why? You need energy in the day. You don't need energy to sleep. So when you eat a heavy meal in the evening, what happens is most of it gets converted to fat. The lethargy you get in the morning when you wake up is because your body didn't have time to let you sleep because it was busy processing all that ugali, all that meat that you had consumed at 7 o'clock in the evening, or even worse for some of you, 9 o'clock. Then you go to bed and you wonder why you're suffering from acid reflux and the like. You need to collect data on yourself. 
your most important person is you. Collect the data so that you use it to generate information which allows you to live a, more, a better life. When should you start collecting data, some of you might ask. For me, it was yesterday. If you weren't already collecting data on yourself, yet you're carrying in your pocket or in your hand, okay, mostly in your hand, because nowadays these phones have become critical to our survival, a device that has 20 to 30 sensors. All these sensors, you can make use of them. Download an app. Most apps, most of your phones come with a help app. Download it, activate it, and use it. Get to know how far, how many steps did you take yesterday. And based on the steps, you can tell whether how you slept was a reflection of what exercise, how much exercise you took. Many people will tell me that the problem is that we don't have adequate resources to allow us to collect data. Google gives you all this for free. It tells you how many steps you've made and you can upload it. All this data is available for storage. And even if you have to pay for a bit more storage, I believe Google charges you about $2 or $5. Even if it gets to $10 a month, the question becomes, do you believe it is worth collecting that extra amount of data? And unless you really believe it's for your benefit, you continue to come up with excuses for why you're not doing it. We look around. We put up a couple of billion worth of cameras around the entire, most of the urban areas, across most highways. Yet once in a while, I'll be walking down Uhuru Highway or Langata Road, and I'll find a bunch of highly educated university students, or even graduated ones, sitting by the roadside with sheets of paper counting vehicles. 200 meters from where they are doing this, there's a set of cameras taking pictures of cars passing by. The technology to convert that data and be able to capture the number of vehicles or even the type of vehicles because there's enough image processing that can be done at the camera level. Capture the data and then forward it to a server somewhere to allow government to know what is the frequency of vehicles around. But will we do that? For some reason, we won't. Why? Because it's petty thinking. Somebody at the Ministry of Transport every twice or three times a year, is able to go and hire a thousand of their relatives and friends to give them petty jobs of doing petty work. Each of those young people who would be sitting on the roadside with pieces of clipboards and pens and paper also have a smartphone. Why not provide them then with an app? Instead of the data being captured on the roadside, then having to go to the office as sheets of paper, hire another team of people to key it into your computers, then somebody does the analysis. This phobia must come to an end. Somebody needs to find a pill to give to us so that we can move forward. Synaptic Solutions is an ICT company dedicated to enabling infrastructure visibility. We provide smart monitoring of your data facilities by implementing intelligent environment monitoring systems. For more, contact us on plus 254-7294-83385 or email us on smartdatacenter at synaptic.co.ke. Synaptic, spelt S-Y-N-A-P-T-E-C-H. Synaptic Solutions, enabling infrastructure visibility. The big noise today in town is data protection. I keep laughing. 
90% of us will walk into a building over the next few weeks, leave behind a copy of our, our IDs, either the original, or give our ID numbers. Together with that, you'll give your phone number and an email address. All of this to be written into a book whose retention we have no control over. The Ascari sitting there earns 20 or 30,000 shillings. As an insurance agent, I'm assuming if I was to be an insurance agent, I would walk to the, to the Ascari, pay him 5,000 shillings, and ask him for the old books because we talk of data protection. But what's the re data retention policy in this country? All we think about is the electronic part of it. What about analog data being collected? Who is monitoring what, it's, what is being done with it? So as an insurance agent, you can imagine, I pass by, pick up two entire 200-page books, walk to the nearest cyber, pay an attendant there another 5,000 shillings for them to key all that data into Excel for me or into another database for me. And suddenly I have your phone number, have your ID number. I know where you hang out. I know where you go. Based on that, suddenly you're getting unsolicited phone calls. You're getting unsolicited SMS messages. You're getting emails into your mailbox. And then you're busy going to harass Safaricom for data protection issues. Yet you gave your data away willy-nilly. Let's stop being myopic about where the problem really lies. Most recently, I raised this issue online. And somebody actually sent me a legal report from director of the criminal investigation who gives authority to the Ascari at a building to collect data. Dr. Matiangi was in the ICT department some time back. I would expect that he should be intelligent enough to note that such a directive was in contravention of the law on data protection. We have conferences going on every other day discussing data integrity, data protection acts, GDPR or something that we are, photo where we are actually copy-pasting out of the UK without understanding that 90% of what we do in this part of the world is analog. But in the process, somebody can easily convert that analog data into electronic. At that point, how do we manage it? How do we monitor it? We don't. But we'll keep sitting at conferences discussing data integrity, data sovereignty, data retention policies, and all of you would have walked into a hotel to have that conference where you left behind details about yourself with somebody who does not have mandate to collect. And then you tell me it's security. Now add to that the fact that we now have a policy about to go through, a law about to go through parliament that allows the same Ascari now to hold a gun, which means he will collect data from you at gunpoint think about it. AVTech is a leading systems integrator that provides environmental monitoring for your data center, server rooms, and even cold storage facilities. We are inspiring imagination. We are striving for innovation. Together, we are advancing world-class integration. These products are available in Kenya from Synaptic Solutions. AVTech IT and facilities environment monitoring made easy. I have a close friend called Dr. Walubengo, who we keep having this argument about. When should I get a data expert to help me with the collection and storage of my data? So a few weeks ago, before I did this podcast, I actually wrote to LinkedIn and asked them to release to me all the data they have on me. They sent me a 2 GB, 2 gigabit dump of the information. It was hilarious. 
And I wondered, what would I do with all of this? How do I, where do I upload it back to? Because so far, nobody's trying to create a platform that allows me to then store that information when it's given to me. What does the government of Kenya have on me? What data are they holding? And I'm busy here chasing Facebook, Google, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter to give me data that they're holding on me. Yet I have no platform on which to upload it. So what are all these hubs and labs doing? What applications are they coming up? Because if I'm going to be allowed to collect my data from all the social media sites, I need somewhere to upload it to so that I can monetize it if I could. Will that happen? Very unlikely. All I'll keep hearing is discussions at various forums and online statements on GDPR and data integrity and data sovereignty from people who can't collect data about fuel consumption of their vehicles. The phobia is turning into a buzzword. And the minute something turns into a buzzword, we're in trouble. And that's where we are now. No culture of collecting data. Not even in schools. I look at it. And a parent screams at a child over a report form for one term. Or at times it's a midterm. It's a report form that's come home at midterm. And you're screaming and yelling. That report form is just a summary of what they've done over the last two months. Now, even as a parent who is tech savvy, do you think about this? Do you ask yourself, or do you even key in your child's report forms into your own spreadsheet? Just key them in. First term, midterm or first term, end first term, second term. Then based on that, you get a trend to see whether your child is performing better. Instead, you're more concerned about a little number that says your child was number 35. And then you're screaming and yelling and telling the child how they'll not watch YouTube. They'll not be allowed. Their phones will not be available for them this holiday because they came number 35. Okay, fine. Even if they came number one, what does it say? We've now introduced the CBC. Competency-based curriculum. And I repeat, means that most of us then went through an incompetence-based curriculum. So will we be able to deal with a competency-based curriculum? I keep hearing complaints from parents. Oh, I had to go and photocopy. Oh, I had to deliver this. Oh, I had to do... Parents, go read the syllabus. Yourselves, you're educated. Your parents sold cows and goats to take you to school. Read what the curriculum says. Read what the syllabus says. And based on that, you'll be in a better position to understand whether the teacher teaching your son or daughter is competent. And if they're incompetent, do something about it. But unless you're collecting data, you're not in a position to actually raise a finger. And so, after this, after the weekend, many of you will be running around buying color printers, taking photographs to print. And you, have you ever asked yourself, how many of these resources are available to the child in Moyale? or the child in Chepalungu, or the child in Kibera, or the child in Madare. Yet at the end of the day, they'll all sit the same exam. So which tells you that the exam will most likely be set based on the average of what the child would have been able to learn. So if you're not collecting data, the parent in Kibera is not collecting data, the parent in Chepalungu is not collecting data, then who is? And why do we have this fear? You have a fear of keeping tabs of your blood pressure. Your own blood pressure, which is to your own benefit. We have not only a phobia, but it's now becoming a culture of collecting just what you need for a transaction. 
then dump it. And I'll get back to my Pret issue again. When will Safaricom issue me with a statement in a machine-readable format? A PDF is not machine-readable. A CSV is. An XML is. When will my bank, and I'll call you out, I&M Bank, you keep insisting on giving me my statements in PDF. For the last two, three years, I've raised the issue. Give it to me in a machine-readable format. At one point, somebody told me that if I get given the data in machine-readable format, I'll modify it. Last I checked, I will not upload that back to your systems. So let's get serious. And before you stand up somewhere to give a presentation on data analytics, on big data, on AI, Ask yourself, if I walked into the premise where you work, will I be given a manual notebook in which to write my phone number, my ID number, and my email address? If that is what I will need to do, you do not have the moral authority to stand up in front of an audience and discuss data. This podcast is hosted by Robert Yahweh and the content is based on articles written on the monthly magazine CIO East Africa. Production is done by Acute Media.